You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar Sinai. In trouble in the backfield, wants to throw down, he's going to go deep. And I mean deep, and I mean touchdown, Florida! Tyree Cleveland in a miracle finish. A Hail Mary that's full of grace for the Gators. If that don't get your blood pressure up, Nothing will. And I'm joined by the man who made that call, the great Brad Nestler. Brad, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Hey, Doc, how are you today? Oh, I'm just loving trying to appreciate the work that goes in to make it look easy. And you and I know it ain't easy. I'm so blessed. You know, I got excited to talk to Dick Butkus on the show and Isaiah Thomas and some of the great doctors in our time. I'm so excited to talk to you because I, Michelangelo's dead 500 years. I feel like I'm talking to Michelangelo. Right? Oh, that's too kind. <laughs> hey, I just went to Italy last year for the first time, and I, I know you're a sculptor and all of that, and uh, I've seen some of your stuff, which is fantastic. But uh, Thank you. you know, Thank you. Michelangelo, I'm, I, I was thinking, you know, how can one guy be so talented in so many different venues? You know, a, right. a painter, a sculptor, and inv- a lot of people don't, you know, the, the inventions and touch. I don't know how the guy had enough time to do all of it. It's un- unbelievable when, when you have a chance to go to Italy and see all that stuff. Uh, it's it's remarkable. But those are the people that inspire us. You know that that we're not doing enough and to suck the juice out of every single day. I don't think there's any greater compliment that you can pay a person than say whether you're an electrician, a plumber, a surgeon, or an announcer than saying you're an artist. Right? It's the highest compliment you can give someone. It is. Kobe. It truly is. And, um, you know, I, I don't think of my job as a job. I think of it as a craft, I guess. So that's right. sort of the same thing. Tell us a little bit about the beginning. Your dad, what did he do for a, a living? You grew up in Minnesota. Right. What, when was the moment when Cupid shot an arrow in your heart? <laughs> what were you watching that said, nope, this is what I want to do? Was it Kurt Gowdy? Pat Summerall, who was it? Oh man, you're you're, you're getting the guys. Um, it was probably Ray Scott who preceded Pat Summerall and taught Pat how to do play-by-play. You know, back in the day when I was, you know, twelve or thirteen, whatever. Um, you know, the Packers were the most dominant team, and, and the number one announced team basically followed the Packers around, and it was Ray Scott. And I just was marveled at the way Ray did, and he was, you know, a minimalist. Uh, he didn't need to say a lot. He would just say star dollar touchdown you know i mean <laughs> that's all he had to say you know and uh, i just was riveted by the way he did that and and my dad who owned a trucking business was a, a drove truck his whole life and so did my brother and my nephew does now um you know i said dad uh, listen I, I think i know what i'm going to do when i grow up if i ever grow up and, uh, <laughs> and uh, he said what and i said i'm going to be a sportscaster <laughs> and you know, he sort of laughed at me, and so did my mom. And my dad said, listen, son, he said, there's this new thing just coming out right now called computers. So that ages me pretty well because that was <laughs> a new thing at the time. Why don't you get into computers? I said, Dad, I, I, that's not what I'm going to do. And wow. he said, well, how are you going to, if you're a sportscaster, are you going to make any money? And I said, I don't know. We'll see. And, um, you know, wow. so in subsequent years, he made it long enough to see me my first stint at CBS in uh, 90, I guess, before he passed away. So uh, by the time I got to that point, he was like, well, 
I guess he did what he was said he was going to do. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. You know, I remember I, I've invented a lot of instruments. I have a lot of patents on tools used all over the world. And I remember bringing my dad to the orthopedic convention where surgeons from all over the world were just loving these tools that I came up with. And I snuck him into the convention. I got him a badge. And he looked at me and he said, Robbie, how did you come up with all of these things? And I said, you taught me that. He goes, me, I'm a carpenter. How could I teach you this? Right. I said, I remember the day when you brought the Milwaukee Sawzall home and it changed your life. And he wow. looks at me like, what does the Milwaukee Sawzall have to do with orthopedic surgery? I said, everything. Everything. Because you, you didn't have to use a hammer and a, and a chisel to carve out in the two by four to put the outlet box in the stud, you could use them all. And I just remember it made such an impression on me how much that changed your life. I said, that's why I've invented these tools. It was amazing. So what a great feeling to be able to make your dad proud that you went the direction you went. And you with your dad, that's an awesome story. And I I think the only thing, I got my work ethic from my dad because he would get up at like 1.30 in the morning and he'd drive truck till 6 o'clock at night and that's when we had dinner and then he had to go to bed early because he had to do it again the next day. That and his voice probably, we sound quite a bit alike and my brother did, um, uh, my late brother sounded a lot like me. So I got my work ethic and my voice from my dad, I guess. So I love that story though. That's awesome. Well, I tell you, what led to me deciding, please, I got to get a hold of Brad Nestler, was watching. I mean, I've been listening to you like we all have and appreciating you for all these years. But what the moment when I realized I got to get this guy, I have to talk to him, was watching the LSU-Georgia game. Joe Burrow, who's really, I can't wait to hear your thoughts about this young man. But there was a moment in the game where... Gary Danielson says, oh, my God, that's got to be at least seven seconds. Look how long he's holding on to the ball. One Mississippi, two Mississippi. And you said something like, well, maybe it's a few more seconds if it's a Louisiana, not a Mississippi. (laughs) And I remember going, that's the guy I got to talk to. Because the, the beautiful calmness that you have, but the ability to be that creative, it just is... It's the reason I had I had to get a hold of you, and it was not easy. Trust me, I had to get Bob Stenner involved to be able to do this. But tell us what it's like for you after all these years to still be excited to be in the booth. Well, I think that's the key is to still be excited. I, um, you know, people ask about what my hobbies are and what my favorite things to do are and that type of thing. And, uh, you know, being with my family is great. And all of us have been with our families long enough now. Let's go back to work. No, um, I'm kidding. Um, I, I like doing games more than anything else that I do. Uh, it's just that basic. I love what I do. And so I'm excited about it. And that's good. I think about four years ago, I missed about, six weeks of the football season recovering from uh, some surgery. And I didn't know how much I missed it until I got back. I couldn't wait to get back in the booth. And once I got mm-hmm. back, I think I had a new appreciation for it. And it's just like rejuvenated me. I felt like I was, you know, in my 40s or something uh, when I got back in the booth because I was so excited to be there. It's a different atmosphere in that I get in my own little world, not just my world. I, I want it to be everybody's world and, and Gary and Jamie and everybody on the crew. But you do kind of get into a, just a rhythm of things. And it, 
it's kind of hard to explain, to be honest with you. Yeah. Do you break it down? Do you see it? And again, maybe I'm wrong in all this, but do you see, just like as a surgeon, the different tools that I get to use, I break it down from the forceps to the clamps to the scalpel. Do you break it up as when to raise your voice, lower your voice, pace the voice, let the crowd noise in, when yeah. to tell the story? Do you think about that? You got to, but uh, it becomes it, natural. Yeah, uh, it, it becomes natural, and you just kind of know when it's the right time to tell a story, when it's the right time to lay out. Um, I've thought a lot about it uh, recently, and that how will we do it, depending on what sports is going to look like. If we get back to football, if there isn't a crowd, that's going to be a whole different way of doing play-by-play for a lot of us because, you know, like you said, a lot of the times I just let the crowd tell the story. I might say, uh, you know, third down and 16, and this is the ball game, and you're going to know by the reaction of the crowd. And I, I won't say anything. I don't have to call the play-by-play. You're watching You're watching what's happening on, on mm-hmm. the uh, screen. But if we don't have crowd and we don't have fans, I don't know what it's going to look and sound like. Actually, when the basketball tournament came around and we were just about ready to hit March Madness, we were having discussions at that point uh, because, you know, it was a day-to-day thing. And at one point they said maybe they'd let in, you know, 100 relatives and, and, and you know, cheerleaders or whatever to a game as the tournament, conference tournaments were approaching. And, you know, I got together with the bosses and I said, hey, uh, you know, we've got to do something if it comes to that to kind mm-hmm. of cover us and have our sound sort of muffled in our own little area of the five-person uh, across midcourt because my voice carries in an empty arena like you can't believe and i don't mm-hmm. want parents hearing me talk about their kids i don't i don't rip anybody on the air but you mm-hmm. know just the, the thought of having parents be able to hear me kind of freaked me out and so now if we go to an empty stadium and there's a you know 70 yard touchdown or a five yard touchdown doesn't really matter I just kind of let the crowd tell the story, and if there's no crowd noise, you got to pick it up and keep talking, and it's going to be a whole different approach to play-by-play. So I've been thinking a lot about that lately, about how mm-hmm. will I do it when we get back to work if it's not normal as normal used to be. You know, I didn't think there was something in between doing a game on radio and doing a game on TV, but we're about to experience that if you got to call a game that is on TV with no crowd, right? right. I mean, to some extent... In the past, when you left Minnesota, was your first job in radio, or did you go directly to TV? No, I was in radio a long time. So radio play-by-play is, I wouldn't even mind going back to that at some point. I love doing that because you're literally painting a picture, and, and you have to talk a lot more. And I think the, the play-by-play guy in a radio atmosphere is, quite frankly, more important than the analyst, which it's almost the opposite on TV. So, yeah, I can I can do radio play-by-play. I, I did it for a long time. I did it with the, the Falcons first and then the Vikings and then I moved into TV, so did that for a long time and then still love that art form. I have so many questions there. Could you stay on for just one more segment, sure. Brad? With, okay. Absolutely. I love you. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll pay some bills. We'll come back with my favorite announcer, the great Brad Nessler, joining us here on the Weekend Warriors Show on 710 ESPN. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar sinai <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 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 
We're talking to the Pavarotti of sports announcing, the great Brad Nessler. <laughs> I, I, saw, I saw the three tenors the other day uh, singing my way when Sinatra was still alive and he was in the audience. He looked at those three guys and just looked at them like, I don't think I'd do it that way. <laughs> but, but to some extent, you don't have to know Italian, and I don't know, but raising the voice, lowering your voice, spreading out the words, and then giving the storytelling. Oh, my God. I mean, it's an art. It's a craft, and it's beautiful when people can do it right. I can't play the guitar, but I know it's Eric Clapton playing. When I, when I watch the game, I just, it go, it, 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 you love it even more. I'm Jewish. When I heard that Sandy Koufax was Jewish, I loved him already, but I loved him even more. But when I listen to the game or watch the game, and you're doing it, you love it even more. I want I want to ask you a question, Brad. Yep. So, Joe Burrow, I can't help but feel, and then I listen to, you know, other games that you've done, that you have almost a a love affair with certain players, and clearly you're supposed to be, you know, independent and not, but I just love that you can feel, just like Jim, the great Jim McKay did, you can somehow feel that it's personal. You really appreciate the gift, the hard work that goes into that athlete that you're talking about. Yeah, Joe's a good example. Jake Fromm here at Georgia is another example. Just some of the games I've done in the last year. But Joe, you know, the, the fact that he didn't start at Ohio State, transferred to LSU, he took over that locker room when he got to LSU immediately. And in the summertime, I kept hearing about this kid, and I said, well, if he can't start at Ohio State, how can he play at LSU coming into his junior year? And then we saw him progress and how that team got better and better in his junior season. And then nobody could predict that he would have done what he did, you know, last year. But I spent some time in the off season. I went down to the Manning Passing Academy that Archie and and, uh, mm-hmm. and Eli and, and Peyton run every year. And Joe was there, and Joe's dad was there, and Joe's brother were there. So I, I spent some time with the Burrow family. I got to know his dad really well and his wow. mom pretty well. And I got a little bit of more of an insight into Joe and how he ticks because he's not, you know, he, he doesn't sit and smile at you and give you a bunch of garbage. Garbage. He's just a really hard-working kid that got better and better and better and mm-hmm. turned himself into a Heisman Trophy winner and number one draft choice. But because I spent that time, I think, and then we did so many games and you have time to spend with them, you know, mm-hmm. the, Friday, the Friday before the game, you get a little tainted sometimes. I think uh, same with Tua the year before. I think mm-hmm. he spent so much time with a kid that you go, wow, he has really worked his butt off and he's just a remarkable, a remarkable kid and is having a remarkable season. And that probably seeps through when you do the game. I guess if you, yeah. if you don't like somebody, you know, you might be more likely to go, well, whatever. But uh, when you like a kid like that, I suppose it shows on the air a little bit. I once had the privilege, um, big time Laker fan. I did surgery on Wilt Chamberlain. He made me a Laker fan after I did his hip surgery. And I had Gary Vitti, the longtime trainer of the Lakers, on this show as a guest. And I said to him, after 30 years, Gary Vitti, what's the one thing that you learned being you know, the the trainer taking care of Magic Johnson right. and Kobe Bryant. And he said to me, Dr. Clapper, the one thing I've learned is talent is overrated in sports. <laughs> and I said, oh, my God, what exactly does that mean? And he said, I've taken care of a lot of guys who could jump out of the gym. He said, and they've gone nowhere with their talent. It's the focus. It's the work ethic. That's what makes great players from good players. 
And I think that that's something that you must appreciate in your line of work as well as in the athletes like Joe Burrow. He's talented, but it's the work ethic that you, like your dad waking up at 1 o'clock in the morning to drive the truck, that somehow touches you, right? Yeah, and, you know, everybody sort of steals from other people. I, I, you know, I didn't create play-by-play. I mean, you, you talked about Jim right. Kay. I mean, he was unbelievable. Jack Whitaker, uh, the way he spoke. Mm-hmm. Um, Keith Jackson, the way Keith wrote teases. You know, I have to write teases for just about every game, and I feel like I'm getting repetitious, and I'm like, how come I can't do it like Keith? You know, some mm-hmm. of the stuff that would come out of his mouth. Dick Enberg was a storyteller while he was doing play-by-play. Vince Scully, one of the greatest ever in any sport. A lot of mm-hmm. people don't realize how good he was at doing football, you know, before he became mm-hmm. just the Dodgers. And mm-hmm. There's so many guys, and, and you know, over the years, I, I think, you know, you kind of steal a little bit here and a little bit there, and it becomes part of what you do. And, you know, Pat Summerall probably, I, I mentioned Ray Scott earlier, uh, Pat Summerall I still think is the best football announcer that has ever lived, and I just love the way he did it. You know, Jack Buck was a great storyteller, not necessarily when he was doing the games, but if you ever saw him at a banquet or a speaking engagement, I mean, the guy was unbelievable. So, Mm. you know, you take a little bit from everybody, and I think you take some from athletes, too. You mentioned work ethic. Uh, You know, Kobe Bryant was one of the most talented players ever, but it was uh, his work ethic that I think made him... One of the greatest ever. And so you got to kind of mix it all together. Yeah, you can you can run the forty and four three eight, but if you can't catch the ball or you don't work hard at it, you're just a fast guy. You know, they say Keith Jackson used to scribble on pieces of paper little vignettes, little and he stuff them in his in his pocket, and so that he had the confidence. He wasn't nervous when he did a game that if there was any downtime, that he could pull something out. And <laughs> do, do you have any tricks like that, or are you? Just just the notes that you take, the the fill in the gap time. What's your process like? Um, I, I don't do the note thing at all. I mean, I have obviously we have all our board and all our materials out in front of us, and and that's what you study all week. You know, I always tell my daughter I study six days to take a test on Saturday. You know, so yeah, exactly. uh, it's, it's an all week process. But I will tell you that some of my better things have been written on bar napkins. So <laughs> you know, maybe on a Friday night I have a thought and I go that might be good for the tease tomorrow. So it ends up on a bar napkin. So in case. That, a little bit like Keith in that respect, I guess. How about drinking tea? How do you take care of your voice? Uh, yeah, I do drink tea when it gets cold, and uh, that helps sometime. I just, I'm a water guy. Uh, I have one Diet Coke about two hours before the game, and I have one five-hour energy about uh, an hour and a half before the game, and then I just water it and can't wait till halftime so I can get to the men's room. <laughs> exactly. you got to think about all of those things. Absolutely. I never drink Well, you don't ever drink milk if you want to do a game. Uh, that's not going to work for you because that gets clogged back there, and the voice doesn't sound the way it's supposed to. Wow. Brad Nestler, you know, Steve Jobs was great because he saw the connection between art and science. And that's basically what I appreciate in what you're doing. You're bringing, you're a renaissance man in the sense that you recognize the art in the player and in the craft that you have in addition to the technical aspects of the sports and the sport. And that's why when people say, well, Vince Scully never played, Jim McKay never played the game, Kurt Gowdy never played the game, Pat Summerall did, but that's why you have the clout to be able to be the announcer. The the color guy's great, but you bring that art and science. Do you feel that you're doing that when you're announcing the game? 
sometimes I don't realize what I said until somebody brings it up to me after the game, to be honest with you, Robbie. I've had friends say, uh, you know, great line, and I go, what are you talking about? I mean, it just, uh, mm. sometimes it comes out and you don't realize, like you replayed that Florida ending of that Florida game, which I have heard more than once, and I got some grief about it because some people thought I was trying to make a religious statement on the last call by <laughs> the <Steve>. Hail Mary. <laughs> My next line was full of grace, and I didn't plan that. It just was the next line right. of a prayer of when I grew up as a kid, so that came right. out. And so kind of didn't know I said that until my daughter told me when I got home that day or that hit Twitter or something. <laughs> so sometimes, sometimes you don't know what's coming out and, until you say it. But anyway, I appreciate you know you thinking that highly of me. I can't wait to go upstairs and tell my wife that I've, I got so many compliments from one person, and I'm hoping that she'll give me one sometime during the <laughs> You know, I have a daughter as well, and it's so great to have those pair of ears listening to everything that you do and you get in the car. And let me tell you, the one person I take advice from is my daughter. And, yeah. Uh, I think it sounds like you're the same way. Uh, she runs, uh, I very seldom have anything on Twitter or whatever. And if, if it, if there is something, she puts it on there because I don't even know how to do it, but I do. <laughs> have, I, I guess. So she, once in a while, I'll send something to her and she'll go, Dad, I think I'm going to put that. I go, do whatever you have to do. I got to tell you one more story. <laughs> You probably have to go to a commercial. I'm going to tell you one story about Pat Summerall. So I'm uh, about a 12-year-old kid, and I'm at a Viking-Bears game, and it was in December, sometimes when they had Saturday games in December, and it was about five degrees below zero without the wind chill. Wow. My dad and two of the guys that worked for him, and we go to the game, and it's so cold, and every time Dick Buckus ran into Bill Brown or Dave Osborne, you could hear it in the third deck, which is where we were sitting in some Wow. So I go to the concession stand at halftime of the souvenir stand, and there's Pat Summerall, and he's buying stocking caps for he and Tom Brookshire because they're freezing to death in the booth at the old Met Stadium. I walk up, and I go, Mr. Summerall, my name's Brad Nessler, and I'm going to take your job someday. And Pat looked at me, and he said, good luck with that kid. (laughs) When When I make it to CBS for the first time in 1990, we have an NFL seminar, and we have a party, and we've all got our blazers on, and we're doing promos and everything, and so everybody has a couple cocktails, and I walk up to Pat. I introduced myself. I said, Pat, do you remember a, a little chubby kid back, you know, 18, 19 years ago that came up to you at Met Stadium and said, I'm going to take your job? And he kind of looks at me and says, was that you? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, you're getting closer, kid. So. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, man. You know what? It's a crazy world we live in right now. And our job is to really make it just a little bit better. Brad Nessler, you made a lot of people's world a little bit better this morning uh, by sharing you. all those stories. It's what a pleasure to be able to meet you this way on the radio. You've got an orthopedic, orthopedic surgeon in your family now for the rest of your life. Good. I, I really got, appreciate I, I, Just about every joint I have hurts, so I'll get <laughs> <laughs> What a pleasure, and have a blessed day. It was really great to talk to you. Thanks, Doc. I'll talk to you okay. soon, man. Okay, can't wait. The great Brad Nessler. Man, this is one of my favorite guests of all time. Thanks so much for allowing me to have this show so that I can have this kind of pleasure on a Saturday morning. Coming up next, I'll take your calls. The number is 877-710-ESPN. And I got to tell you about a chocolate that I discovered that I went and got. My wife wants to shoot me. I bought so many from Trader Joe's. And I'll tell you which one. Coming up next here on the Weekend Warriors Show on 710 ESPN. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar Sinai. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And let 
me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, hold my hand. In other words, baby, kiss me. Kiss me. Ah, Frank Sinatra. He does fly us to the moon. Breaking up those words. It's a gift, but it's an art. Kobe had talent, but Gary Vita, he'll tell you, is the hardest working guy in the gym. Talent is not enough. Frank Sinatra had talent, but he worked at it. Using your voice as an instrument. Just beautiful to appreciate. In Brad Nessler, my guest at 715. In Jim McKay, who started ABC Wide World of Sports with his storytelling and pacing and phrasing of his words. And in Luciano Pavarotti, revolutionizing the world of opera by not only having the gift of his voice, but working so hard at pacing himself, at rise to fall in storytelling, in art, in sports, and in surgery, using your voice as an instrument. So key. Speaking of that, you just heard an ad for The Last Dance, which is must-watch TV. We all were there for that. 1998 season, the last of Michael Jordan on the Bulls with Phil Jackson. But in this beautifully well-done ESPN documentary, you see the whole story about Scottie Pippen fighting about the contract, but mostly he had to have foot surgery. Two years prior to that foot surgery on Scottie Pippen, Charles Oakley had the same surgery, the same problem. It was not to his big toe, better known as turf toe, which pretty much ended Deion Sanders' career. It's one of the most painful injuries a player can have. And you weren't going to get Deion Sanders to stop. He's the best football player in offense and defense that we've ever seen. He's the Willie Mays, best baseball player, according to Gene Crawford, Willie Mays was. Deion Sanders probably the best football player we've ever seen. Lawrence Taylor, number two. Deion Sanders, number one. But his career ended because of turf toe. Well, can you imagine getting turf toe in the toe next to the big toe, the second toe? What exactly is turf toe? Why is it so painful? Well, here's a clapper vision. It involves a hot dog. A hot dog sits in a delicious, my favorite, by the way, is King King's Bakery from Hawaii. And you can buy them here. Oh, they're the best hot dog buns and hamburger buns. King's Bakery, those sweet rolls that they have. But if you put that hot dog in that bun, and I love mustard. You ain't putting ketchup on my hot dog. But also what I love, and if you ever go to New York, make sure you get one of those hot dogs on the street because you get not only sauerkraut, but these red onions. The problem with sauerkraut and the red onions is the sauce that they're in is a liquid it's not thick like the mustard. And what happens when you put enough of that on? And I love a ton of it. My mouth is watering already. The hot dog pops out of the bottom of the bun because the bun gets too liquidy. It gets too moist. So it doesn't have the integrity to hold the hot dog anymore. The hot dog goes right through the bottom of the bun. The bun doesn't completely surround the hot dog. Well, that is the injury Scottie Pippen suffered in his second toe. So did Charles Oakley. That the, where the toe meets the main portion of the foot, okay, the metatarsal phalangeal joint, 
it's the area of the bunion, for example, in the big toe. That joint on the second toe, the bone, which is the hot dog, is held in place by a bun, which are it's called the volar plate. That's the bottom of the hot dog bun. It's called the volar plate. The hot dog, the bone, goes through, just like too much red onion and sauerkraut. The bone pops through the bottom, and the bone goes through that volar plate, goes through the bun, and hits the soft tissues on the bottom of your foot. Every time you try to lift off or land from a jump, you don't have that protection of the bottom of the bun because the bone is right there at the skin, and it's, it's you die in pain. That's the foot surgery. So everybody needs to leave Scotty Pippen alone. That is a big deal operation to recover from. He needs to take his time. It's not like Michael Jordan breaking his navicular bone, put me in a cast for six weeks. He took the cast off and played in North Carolina. Now, the recovery from that surgery and that injury is massive. So there's your clapper vision for Scottie Pippen and why everybody needs to give him a little bit of slack when he's talking about he can't play. It's true. He can't because it hurts too much, and that recovery was big time. Let's take a call. The clinic's open. The number's 877-710-ESPN. Let's go to Connor. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Good morning, doctor. How are you? Connor, I'm so – I don't take drugs, but let me tell you something. I am high right now. You know why I'm high? Because why I that? got to talk to – Brad Nessler, one of my heroes, one of my favorite announcers, and I cannot believe I got to be able to talk to the guy. It's just, you make a list. Who are the top ten people who are currently living that you'd want to have dinner with, that you'd want to have a conversation with, whether it's Jerry Seinfeld. For me, it's Brad Nessler, and I can't believe I just had a conversation with him. I'm just so happy. So that's how well, I'm, I'm doing. I'm very excited for you. Hopefully you could be my hero. Okay, I hopefully can. <laughs> what do you do for a living, Connor? Um, so I actually work in solar. Oh, nice. Good yes, for you. I design, I, uh, do, um, surveys and I design solar systems for residential buildings. What does designing them mean? Like you have to figure out where on the roof to put the solar panel, how many panels, the angle that it has to be for the sun. Is that what you do? Um, more or less. Yeah. They'll give me kind of a rough draft of where they want to place the panels. And then basically I'll go out there and measure and make sure that the rough draft can be implemented into the final draft. Wow. What an interesting thing to do for a living. That's fantastic. Yeah. How old are you and where'd you grow up? Talk. To I me. am 32 years old and I grew up in Costa Mesa, California. Do you surf? I surf every day. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we got day, something sometimes. in Connor. Connor, we have something in common. <laughs> exactly. That's why I'm calling. I um, I basically have been out of the water for a couple of months, which, as you know, from one surfer to the next, it's pretty yeah. dreadful. Well, I've been yeah. cheating because I've been going to my spot in Ventura, and I got some of the best rides I've ever had in my life this past Wednesday, but I don't want to rub it in. Oh, man, I can only imagine. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been basically on the IR, and I kind of got um i got an mri and the Tell mri me. came back and it said um do you have it in front of you connor uh i have what the so my uh good family friend is a hip specialist at the university of utah and i sent her the mri images and she uh basically gave me the diagnosis um through an email um and she said that your right hip shows some obvious signs of wear and tear cysts in the if i'm pronouncing this right the acetabulum acetabulum that's the socket of the ball and socket joint 
Wow, you're yeah. way too young for this. Although this week I saw a young woman, 33 years old, who I'm going to have to do hip surgery on because of her congenital damage in her hip. And now she's a mom of three. She's been on that hip 30 plus years and it's going to need to have new cartilage. You don't have just the linoleum having an issue. You got termites in the floorboards. So this is what we're going to do, Connor. There's a book that I wrote with Linda Yui called Heal Your Hips. I need you to read that book. It'll teach you about the anatomy. It'll educate you just like you educate your clients about solar. I'm about to educate you about what's involved with the hip. What's the difference between the acetabulum, the femoral head, the labrum, the psoas tendon, articular cartilage, the synovial fluid? You're going to get an education in what the parts are all about, just like you do in your business. And this is what I want to do with you, Connor. I need you to read the book, and we can't get to a swimming pool now, and you're a surfer. You know what it's like. And that's what the book is about in terms of exercise you can do. But I want to know more detail than an email from a family friend, which I appreciate, by the way. Next Saturday, I'm going to be on with Rebecca and Steve Paulette helping me and Jared Abrams as well. I want you to have in front of you the MRI report. And you're going to have that page in front of you. And you're going to read from where it says impression. And I'm going to translate with Clapper Vision exactly what's going on in your hip and what to do. In the meantime, don't let them stick a needle in your hip. No cortisone, no stem cells, no synvis. You and I are going to talk about what to do with your hip, and we're going to feature it next week. You're going to call in at 7.15 or 7.30, and we're going to take it from there. All right, Connor? I promise All you the right. time I'm that you so deserve. Excited. All right? Thank so you get so the much. Book. I appreciate it. You're welcome, will, Connor. Get the book and get, get right the MRI now. ready. All right. Thank you. All right, God bless you, Connor. Weekend Warriors, coming up next, I'm going to tell some stories about how to use your voice as an instrument. I cannot wait to teach you about Pavarotti, about Jim McKay. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior show presented by Cedar sinai Someday when I'm off the when the world is cold, I will feel a glow just thinking of you and the way you look tonight. Yes, you're Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. I know I can't sing, but I can't help it. I just love and appreciate the emphasis on the correct syllable, the elongation of the words, how he draws you in. Nobody did it better than Frank Sinatra. And in opera, no one does it better than Pavarotti. In sports, Brad Nestler, when he calls a game, it's must-watch TV for me. Joe Burrow was great, but to hear the stories of Joe Burrow, to see him through the eyes and the ears of Brad Nestler. What a treat it was. And you can listen to the podcast. Uh, go to the ESPN website and get to ESPN favorite podcasts. And you can hear on your Bluetooth my interview with Brad Nestler. What a true joy that was. The number is 877-710-ESPN. The clinic's open. Let's go to Michael. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? 
Hey, Dr. Clapper, I just wanted to say I love your show. Thank you. Thank you for the kind words. Now I have to adjust my earbuds because of all the compliments. Thank you. My head is swollen. Your show is amazing. It always has really cool topics. Thank you. Thank you. um, What do you do for a living, Michael? I'm actually the director of sales for a company, and then I've just started working uh, with another company that deals with stem cells. Okay, cool. Good for you. You're in the medical profession. You've made it. I love it. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Um, but your your topic today is really cool because there's obviously a lot of people like Pavarotti and a lot of people use their voices, and it's amazing when they have their voices. It's also something different, like I went through when I lost my voice. I I have a uh, to this day I have to project because I have a paralyzed vocal cord. Mm. That is, yep, that is, you know, when you say that, I think of friends of mine who ear, nose, and throat surgeons, like David Alessi, who's one of my, he and I were interns together at Cedars-Sinai back in 1983 when Michael Jackson burned his hair up at the Pepsi commercial. I don't know if you remember that, but he and I were, talk about front line for COVID, we were front line for Michael Jackson way back in 1983, and I went on to become an orthopedic surgeon, and David Alessi went on to become one of the champions of how to deal with vocal cords in this town, and I really appreciate his friendship all of these years. The other time the vocal cord entered my life was as a medical student. Now I'm going way back to 1979, 1980, a first-year medical student at the Cadaver. You know, you're right out of college. You don't know anything first year of medical school. Right, and right. you you start with the head of the body and you go, you work your way down as you do the dissections for that whole semester of seeing every nerve, artery, bone, blood vessel, muscle, tendon that the body has. And you start at the top. So we started with the head and neck. And I don't want to get gruesome on you, but we're doing dissections to see all the different structures from the carotid artery, the vein, um, the phrenic nerve, all the different structures I'm that... I'm cool with it. My dad taught medical school. Oh, there you go. So this is like right in the family. And I remember, yeah. you know, having the books open and I had four other classmates and we all participated for so many hours doing the dissection. And one of the things that I loved about my medical school at Columbia was they used to bring a surgeon in or two or five who were specialists in that part of the body as surgeons to give the young medical student what they used to call clinical correlation so that it wasn't just you being in a cadaver lab trying to figure out where the nerve is and, you know, the relevance of its structure, but they actually had the surgeon go, okay, let's look for the phrenic nerve. Let's look for the recurrent laryngeal nerve. The recurrent laryngeal nerve is this thin little, as thin as a hair, but it's the most important nerve because that's the nerve that feeds the vocal cord. And I remember doing a dissection on this cadaver looking for that recurrent laryngeal nerve and giving relevance to this opening introduction class that I have. And that's the nerve, by the way, 
that has led to your paralysis of your vocal cord because there's nothing the matter with your vocal cord. It's just the electricity to your vocal cord isn't working. And here's a clapper vision for you. If your vocal cord is the light bulb, losing the nerve is as though you get up off of your couch and pull the plug out of the wall so the electricity to the light bulb is why the light bulb isn't working. It's not that the light bulb burnt out. It's that the electricity that feeds the light bulb went out. And when there's any kind of paralysis to the recurrent laryngeal nerve, you then lose that vocal cord. And here's the other key. There's two of them. There's a right right side and a left side, and there's two vocal cords. There's a right side and a left side. And what's saving you is the fact that your other one is okay. They're both not out. Otherwise, you ain't speaking. So it's a beautiful thing to understand the anatomy. And it's just, you know, whatever you can be fascinated on. Let's say you love cars or you love computers or you love whatever your passion is in life. How about your passion is the machinery of how your body works? To me, that's my passion. How the hell does our body work? What are the, the, the makeup? Where are the two by fours? Where's the plumbing? Where's the electrical supply? My dad worked as a carpenter, so I understand you can right. touch the two by four. You can touch the pipes. You can touch the electrical wires, but to be able to do it, in the body. Now, you can always get a hold of the architect and ask him for the blueprints, and he'll say, oh, I have them in my trunk of my car. Let me go get them. But who's the architect of the building that is your body? Whether you believe in God or not, something created us, and I'm fascinated because I can't talk to that person. So I have to look at what your body is made of, and as a surgeon, I have the chutzpah. That's a Yiddish term. The chutzpah to say, I can fix what's broken. Think about that. That's what you do as a surgeon, which is incredible. All right, I'm getting ahead of myself. Talk to me. What's your question? How can I help you? Oh, I just wanted to share that it's just, you know, I had to see, uh, I saw Dr. Dr. Sugarman, and it was just fascinating. Dr. Sugarman was just fascinating because when I went into his offices, there was like all these, you know, rock singers, you know, celebrities that basically had used his services. I just I just found it fascinating that they had vocal they had a different kind of vocal cord issues obviously mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah, they get nodules. A lot of singers develop because of their overuse of that structure, muscle, whatever you want to call it in the body, sometimes, you know, when I surf, too much wind and water in my ear causes an overgrowth and it's called surfer's ear, that you literally yeah. can lose your hearing from it. So there's too yeah. much wind, there's too much water, you get an overgrowth. The, the same concept of an overgrowth, when you sing all day long, some in some folks, the vocal cord being used that much cannot handle it. It doesn't appreciate it. And the body responds to that microtrauma by growing a little fatter. And these singers can get a nodule on their vocal cord. Well, here's the problem. You're paying a lot of money to go to a concert to hear them sing. And now that nodule needs to come off. How the hell are you going to remove that nodule without ruining their voice altogether? 
Listen, if you ruin Robbie Clapper's voice, it's not a big loss <laughs> because I'm not doing, I'm not making a living by people listening to how I sound. They just want to hear the information per se. But if you're Adele or someone like that who I know had issues with her vocal cords in the past, you've now got to go to someone who's got to help cure and treat that nodule without injuring her ultimate voice. That's where the the art, the science, the skill of being an ENT vocal Sugarman is in that category. He has yeah, saved the careers of many singers. And you know what the irony is? That although he gets a kick out of taking care of the rock star, you know who the rock star is in that office? Sugarman. The surgeon yeah. is the one you want the autograph for, not so yeah. much the artist. So I agree with you. So how can I help you, Michael? What's up? Well, my question was this. When I, when I originally went in, they were going to give me, they gave me injection. I forget what it was, but it was like, it was something that moved the vocal cord over. Mm -hmm. And because I'm getting into the stem cell field, I was just curious, like, we're working with a doctor essentially out of Cedar sinai I believe, Dr. Swartz. Mm -hmm. I was just curious about your thoughts about stem cell therapy for vocal cords instead of the other stuff. I can't think of it right now on the spot, but I was just curious what your thoughts were about stem cells for the vocal cords. You know, it's not my field, and I have a good friend of mine, Dr. Joel Aronowitz. He loves using stem cells in breast cancer surgeries, and, you know, he's a, a real maven in this. In the world of orthopedics, when we get the word that, you know, you can grow hair back on top of my head, that the dentist doesn't have to pull your tooth, that the excitement of being able to grow things, it's exciting right now. Because, you know, I make a living doing surgery on torn ligaments and worn out knee joints and hip joints and shoulder joints. Currently, what am I doing? I'm doing what works, what I know works, which are implants, minimally invasive procedures, but getting people back. If you go to my website, you're going to see a video of a patient of mine riding her bicycle the day after I did her knee implant for arthritis, bone on bone, and she's riding the bike the next day. You'll see the video if you go to the website. Where are we at with stem cells? You know, I didn't do stem cells for her, but I'm doing what currently works. The problem for me right now is I don't want people to say we have the answer when we don't yet. And that to me, and again, this is just my opinion. I'm not throwing anybody under the bus here, but if you're calling for my opinion, I'm going to give you my opinion. Stem cells to me right now in my life are a lot like the Wright brothers. Remember, the Wright brothers are the two guys who invented the airplane, the flight, a hundred plus years ago, they were the guys who came up with it. So what we now learn is there was a French guy, there was a German guy who actually also got into the air and could fly. Here's the problem. The French guy and the German guy died because they crashed and died. The Wright brothers, their greatest discovery was not in flying, but in landing. <laughs> They were actually able to control the flight. They could control flying around. They could land. So stem cells, yes, we can get cells to grow. That's not a problem. But in Europe, when they did embryonic stem cells, some of the patients got cancer, and they halted what they did. So getting the cell to grow may not be the problem. It's getting it to stop growing, which may be the biggest challenge. So it's very important for me that we share 
knowledge. We share information. And the coronavirus pandemic is teaching us what a beautiful collaboration. Doctors, scientists, everybody has internationally to try to fight this pandemic. It's a beautiful thing. But when you hear that there's a guy in Texas who has a cure for coronavirus and you got to go to this one person and he's the only one, isn't that going to raise your antenna? How come everybody doesn't have that cure? You know what I mean? It's it, it yeah, always, a, I'm a skeptical New Yorker and I'll never be anything it, different than that. It's, it's my obligation as your doctor to make sure I have your safety in mind. And if it works, then all of us should have the same treatment. You know what I mean? Not just one guy in you know, the Dominican Republican, you got to fly to him to get this special kind of stuff. Steve McQueen, I remember, went to get Laetrile in Mexico because this was, you know, saying this is a cure for cancer at the time. No, if we got a cure, all doctors who treat cancer should have that cure. That's the way I see it. So it's exciting to be in medicine. There's no doubt that the future will be in biologic warfare where we will fight infections, be it bacterial, viral, cancer, diseases. We'll fight it not with a metal scalpel that I use right now as a surgeon, but we'll fight it biologically. And Kobe Bryant deserves a lot of the credit for leading the way when he went to Germany the first time because it really opened our eyes. But are we there yet? In my opinion, no. And so when they say, give me $10,000, it's not covered by the insurance. You know what? I'm just saying your antenna has to go up. That's all. Understand. I hope that helps, Michael. What a pleasure. And thanks for listening to the show and appreciating the Clapper vision. You're really too kind. And uh, it's really nice to talk to you. And be safe. And thanks for calling. Okay, Warriors, we're going to take a break. We'll pay some bills. The number is 877-710-ESPN. We need some Clapper vision. In addition, the clinic will be open. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Let me tell you before we go to the final segment, I got to surf on Wednesday, and I got to tell you, for all of those of you that listen, that listen to me that ride motorcycles, it's hard to put into words for people who've never been on a motorcycle the feeling of accelerating up a hill, all right? You basically twist on that throttle, and you accelerate up a hill, there's no cooler feeling. You ain't doing that with a skateboard. You're not doing that with other kinds of things. You're doing that on a motorcycle. Well, the waves were so great on Wednesday, and I caught the biggest wave of the set, and all my buddies were there to see it, which was great. But I came down the face of that wave, got to the bottom, and dug the rail, the side of my surfboard, into the wave at the bottom of the wave while the water was still crashing around me. And I stuck that rail into the water at the bottom and used the energy because I came down the face of the wave to now accelerate up the face of the wave. It's almost as if you want to get to heaven, you just keep accelerating upwards. It's a feeling that only a surfer knows, but I'm trying my best to describe how it defies gravity. It defies everything that we're used to. You're flying in the water. And to top it all off, after my session, which started at 4 o'clock in the morning, by the way, because Ventura is the only beaches that are open for surfing, I went to my favorite place for a donut afterwards, because there's nothing like a cup of coffee and a donut for me after I surf. So when I walked into my favorite bakery, 
Good Time Donuts in Ventura. Her name is Sue, and when you go, you tell her Dr. Clapper sent you, and she'll get the biggest smile on her face. I said to her, Sue, what's new in the bakery? She goes, Dr. Clapper, I've created a guava and cheese filling for a croissant. I said, no way. Would you like to try one? Oh, my God. Guava and cream cheese in a croissant. Life-changing. So get in your cars. You deserve the, the trip. And drive up to Ventura. Go to Good Time Donuts and tell them Dr. Clapper sent you. Coming up next, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen for us next week here on the Weekend Warriors Show. And I'm also going to tell you what's the chocolate thing I discovered at Trader Joe's that I never discovered before that changed my life this week. We'll get into it next on the Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar Sinai. The summer wind came blowing in from across the, the sea. sea. As Frank Sinatra, the summer wind. Well, let me tell you, you can feel that summer wind, and, walk with me. and you can really feel it when he sings about it. It's a gift. But he worked hard at that talent, that God-given talent, his voice, using it as an instrument. That's today's topic, and I had so much fun exploring that topic. And one of the best things, I asked Brad Nessler, how do you keep your voice strong and healthy? Because that's how you make your living. And he said he drinks tea. He times having a Diet Coke before he goes on the air. So if you ask me, How do I keep my voice for this show strong? My answer is chocolate. Oh, do I love chocolate. I am a chocoholic. And my favorite place to get chocolate in Los Angeles is Trader Joe's. My mouth is watering already because I went yesterday and bought $50 worth of chocolate. (laughs) Wow. But my favorite of all the things they make the chocolate-covered almonds, the chocolate-covered coffee beans, the chocolate-covered cherries. I know it all. I know the store backwards and forwards. But there's one thing that they got there that I've convinced myself keeps my voice healthy. Dark chocolate-covered peanut butter cups. That's right. I said it. Reese's, thanks for coming up with the idea. And Trader Joe's, thank you for taking it to the next level. There's lots of inventions that are out there. And then there are those who take those beautiful beginnings. Pat Summerall-inspired Brad Nestler. Caruso-inspired Pavarotti. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups-inspired Trader Joe's, who then took it to the next level by making it with dark chocolate. Oh, my God. Try it, and then let me know what you think. And we'll do that next week. And my guests next week are the people from Sonos. Jared Abrams found these guys. How do they do this with the Bluetooth? I can't wait to figure out what I'm going to be talking about next week. But you know, I'll be eating donuts at Good Time Donuts in Ventura. Get the tiger tail. Until next week, I'll see you on the radio, and I leave you with Volari. Singing and flying in Italian. Nel cielo 